being with you next. This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 17th. A Hawthorne Elementary student placed third in a local PBS writing contest. Students from all over central Missouri were invited to write and illustrate their own stories and submit them to the KMOS PBS Kids Writers Contest. Allison Toops, third grade student at Hawthorne Elementary, submitted her story and placed third. She won a writing tablet, two books, and a backpack. Congrats, Allison. An Eldon teen was seriously injured Sunday in a crash on Highway 52. 19-year-old Drew Danners was driving when he allegedly lost control of the vehicle and struck a second vehicle. A 14-year-old boy in the Danners' car sustained serious injuries and was transported to University Hospital by MU Air. More information at lakeexpo.com. Gas prices may be hitting the Lake of the Ozarks hard, but an analysis of all 50 states shows Missouri has the lowest average gas prices in the country. The analysis was published by Zatobi in late April, with Missouri's average gas price at $3.78 a gallon, followed by Kansas and Oklahoma close behind. The most expensive gas in the country is in California at $5.91 a gallon, with Nevada and Hawaii at second and third. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. For the first time since the Blues won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, the Blues are into the second round of the playoffs. They take on Colorado. The Avalanche have been great this season. The Blues beating Minnesota 4-2 in the first round of the playoffs. It gets tougher from here on out. The postseason is here for the uh, Mizzou Lady Tigers, the MSU Lady Bears. They move into the NCAA tournament. They play each other on Friday afternoon in the first round of their regional tournament. The Mizzou Ladies, 36-20. They lost in the championship game of the SEC tournament over the weekend. The MSU Ladies won the Valley Conference tournament. So they are champions there, those two teams the Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies play each other Friday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The other two teams in their region are Illinois and Arizona. They'll have to uh, 
beat those teams in order to advance. It is the final week of the college baseball regular season. The Mizzou men, 26-22. and 22. They are at Kansas tonight. They will finish off the regular season at Georgia this weekend. The MSU men are 24-24. and 24. They will finish out the regular season with a three-game series at Bradley this weekend. As for the Cardinals, game two against the uh, Mets, that is a four-game series. The Cardinals have uh, been struggling of late. The Mets have been very good this year. The Royals continue their series against the White Sox today at home. That, too, is a four-game series there. As for horse racing, the Triple Crown continues this weekend, the second leg of the Triple Crown Saturday as they uh, run the Preakness Stakes. It was Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby with 80-1 to 1 odds. So next up, the Preakness this Saturday, and then they'll finish off with a Belmont in June. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. Don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Almost every hour you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, Live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and, of course, the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and, of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the Key with your monthly donation.
the Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. How you doing this morning? Well, I hope that you are doing well. Another beautiful morning at the lake. I uh, am glad to have you with us. Yes, sir. <laughs> We're always glad to have you with us. And uh, we hope that uh, you will take the time to uh, to join in the conversation. This hour, it's going to be kind of freeform. Uh, we will have the opportunity to uh, discuss a variety of issues. But first and foremost, let's uh, get you caught up on what it is that Mother Nature has in store for you today. That, of course, uh, being the weather forecast, we'll do that. We are at 63 degrees as of right now here in Beautiful downtown Osage Beach as we broadcast live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Looking for a partly cloudy morning, then becoming cloudy during the day. Uh, A stray shower or thunderstorm is possible. We'll hit the high of around 80 degrees today. Scattered thunderstorms this evening becoming more widespread overnight. There is a uh, potential for some severe thunderstorms as well. We'll drop down to 63 for the overnight low, back up tomorrow to 86 with some Morning clouds, then uh, plenty of sunshine for you tomorrow afternoon into the evening. 63 the low tomorrow night. Sunny and 88 on Thursday. Some uh, thunderstorms possible in the afternoon. Looks like uh, 87 the high on Friday with a low of 57. Scattered thunderstorms and 63 for the high on Saturday. A low of 47. Sunny and 69 on Sunday with a low of 51. And then we get into uh, kind of the bouncy ball of weather. Uh, the following week, and again, looking at uh, the Memorial Holiday Weekend here at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks, well, typical. And right now, again, looking for highs uh, probably in the mid to upper 80s. Go feel some humidity and see a few clouds, but they're not uh, predicting any rain at this particular point. However, you know how things work in the beautiful state of Missouri. Yes, you do. Taking a look at uh, what we've got uh, going on out here at Bagnell Dam this morning. Again, another busy day as far as the uh, discharge is concerned. Lake level at 658.67, river level at 566.46. Fozzie Simon is going to join me in the 9 o'clock hour at about 9.10. We'll talk red flag laws and some other interesting information of the legal variety. Of course, Fozzie, an attorney here at the Lake of the Ozarks. Had him on not too terribly long ago, and he will join us yet again. And uh, maybe we can get him on as a regular guest like uh, some of the other folks that we talk to uh, here in and around the Lake of the Ozarks area. Red flag laws, of course, something we've discussed plenty. And uh, maybe we need a little bit more legal insight to truly understand what these things are all about. Because as we know... Red flag laws have been used to uh, take guns away from people. And maybe those people should still have their firearms. But for one reason or another, someone has come across a person and said, well, maybe that person just isn't uh, suitable. Maybe that person uh, just shouldn't have firearms because uh, there may come a time in that person's life when they uh, you know, blow a fuse in their brain and take the firearm and go out and hurt other people with it. You know, there's whatever reason they have it or have multiple firearms, if it's for hunting or uh, personal protection, whatever the case, that person could uh, could become a threat at some point. You know, we've seen them maybe 
have an issue with people that uh, are in his family or people that he works with or whatever, whatever the situation. But we're going to get into the red flag laws next hour with Fozzie Simon. This hour, we'll also uh, get an opportunity to hear from the one and only Mr. Bill Mundhausen. Bill is uh, putting together these op-eds. He did one uh, last month. He's going to do another one on um, affordable housing and how the current situation may not necessarily be the solution. You know, we've heard a lot of people talking about affordable housing. Everybody has said, and I, I guess the term that you really have to be able to define in all of that is the word affordable. You think about it for just a minute, right? Affordable housing. Well, that makes it seem as though anybody and everybody can live, let's say, in an apartment complex. Or uh, everybody, I guess in most cases, let's graduate up to an actual uh, home. You know, maybe a three-bedroom, two-bath home or a two-bed, one-bathroom home. And with the way things are in this day and age, is affordable housing something that is attainable when we talk about it? And your phone calls, well, they are welcome throughout the course of the morning at any point, 573-633-5395. Do you have a definition when it comes to affordable housing? Can you define that in such a way that we truly understand it. Like I said, on the surface, it sounds like a great idea, and there are a number of groups and organizations and local governments that are trying to do things to provide affordable housing. We know what it's like here at the Lake of the Ozarks. We certainly do. The service industry is alive and well. Where do those folks stay? Do they have to drive from a half hour, an hour away to get to work? And then, of course, uh, tack on to that gas prices. And what is it that we would consider to be affordable? When you say affordable housing, is it to homes? Is it to apartment complexes? And unfortunately, I think sometimes when we talk about apartment complexes and affordable housing, uh, sometimes there's an element uh, included in that that maybe some families don't want to deal with. And that could uh, be drugs, could be gangs, could be violence, could be a lot of different things. But certainly, when you uh, put it all together, it is quite the uphill battle for folks, uh, all folks who are involved. So if you have the definition of affordable housing, and and I don't necessarily mean to go and Google it (laughs) and read the definition, but I'd be more inclined to hear your definition of affordable housing. What does it mean? We'll check in with uh, Bill Mundhausen uh, on the backside of the 8 o'clock hour and get his op-ed in here this morning. Now, of course, we've heard and heard and heard now for the last uh, several weeks about the baby formula shortage. And the shelves and stores are bare. And when they do have formula for these babies... Uh, stores are limiting the amount of cans of formula that you can buy. And this brings up a lot of different uh, arms and legs to this story. It's like an octopus. There are so many different arms and legs to the story. But the 
gentleman, his name is Michael Reagan. He submitted this op-ed. Uh, it's uh, Yahoo News, of all things. And uh, he says that uh, that's the big news story of the week. In the richest country in the world, new mothers are not able to find baby formula or are having to stand in line for hours to get it. The problem is at the top, for now, of the growing pile of economic blunders and social miseries that Joe Biden and his failing policies have caused the American people. Our teleprompter-dependent president denies any responsibility for screwing up the country in any way, but every voter knows the grim list. In just 15 months on the job, or pretending to be on the job, he and his collection of left liberal experts have brought us 8% inflation, sky-high gas prices, and food shortages. And don't forget the supply chain disruptions, 5% mortgage interest rates, and soaring crime rates at home, plus an unnecessarily and increasingly dangerous entanglement in a war between Russia and Ukraine. Now, you remember all of the involvement. We hate to see what's happening to the people in Ukraine based on what the Russians are doing right now. But you remember all of the ties between Biden, his son, and Ukraine. And I don't know that a whole lot of people are even looking at that. And they would say, well, how in the world can you bring something like that up while these people are just being obliterated? Well, on Thursday, uh, last Thursday, I guess, the Biden administration finally acknowledged the baby formula shortage, blamed greedy formula makers, and put forth the usual blather, but of course took no uh, responsibility for it. When COVID was exported by China to the U.S., President Trump launched Operation Warp Speed to produce vaccines in record time without the usual lengthy FDA rules. What we need for baby formula is something like Operation Warp Feed, as someone on TV quipped, but... uh, Don't look at anything like that from Biden. Like all Democrats, he's following this party's traditional game plan. First, you destroy something that's working well in the private economy. Can anyone say the energy industry? With a series of uh, bad laws and policies that uh, drive up prices or cause shortages. And then you offer free government money to the victims and announce expensive new programs to fix the problems while pretending it didn't cost them in the first place. Biden uh, either ignores the economic or social problems he's caused from scratch or made much worse and blames them on someone else. This is uh, Trump's fault, right? The baby formula shortage is actually President, our former President Trump's fault. Oil, pr- oil prices through the roof? Putin did it. Not Biden's green energy policies or his sabotage of the energy sector. Drill, baby, drill. You know, there's just open up those pipelines, man. Economy sinking toward recession. Republicans did it, though they're not in control of Congress. Inflation and $7 a gallon gas in L.A. Trump did it, though he's been out of the Oval Office since January of 2021. Now, lately, according to Biden and the Democrats, the soaring prices of oil, gas, and wheat are Putin's or Russia's fault. It's a strange twist. It used to be during the Cold War that Soviet leaders blamed the USSR's third world standard of living on American 
uh, or, or rather on America and capitalism, not on socialism and a rigid command economy run by backward bureaucrats. Remember how we used to laugh at the Soviets or feel sorry for its citizens because they had to wait seven years to get a new and crummy car or how they couldn't buy Levi's or Beatles records and had to line up each day to buy basics like bread and toilet paper. Do you see where this is going? And is anyone even paying attention to it? Now, the Biden government is turning the U.S. into the old Soviet Union. Baby formula is just the latest important product that has been transformed from something a new mother could always buy anywhere into a nerve-wracking ordeal. Overnight, the simple act of buying baby formula has become a national problem, like trying to get a new car. Now listen, see if this makes sense. See if I'm even in the ballpark here. What do we do? Well, this baby food, or baby formula shortage, rather, is directed at babies, okay? We as adults can do a lot of different things, but here we go again. And and I wrote some thoughts down regarding the whole baby formula situation. How do we handle it on the local level? Is there any way to handle it on the local level? Do local leaders try to do something to... uh, quell the shortage as best they can? Or again, is that government inserting itself somewhere it doesn't need to be involved in in the first place? And quite frankly, and I mentioned this earlier, are people even paying attention to what's going on and taking it seriously? Because if we have baby food shortages, or baby formula shortages, I'm sorry, baby food, baby formula, the formula is food, nutrition, But are people paying attention? Because I can guarantee you, folks, this is not the uh, the only thing that we will endure when it comes to food shortages. So I took the opportunity here to uh, look around. Now, you know what happened when COVID hit, right? The shelves were bare when it came to things like toilet paper and paper towels and paper products and anything that you could use basically, as toilet paper. But I wonder if people are really paying attention to this. Um, They say shortages may depend on where you buy your groceries, as there are regional differences in supply. This from Josh Brazil, VP of Supply Insights at Project 44, a supply chain visibility solution, says, uh, well, that means some of you may be lucky enough to not have any food shortages at all. We did experience some shortages. You still see certain situations where shelves are lacking certain products. Um, What's missing from local grocery shelves may vary depending on where you live, as well as the climate where you live. Winter storms slow down supply chains in the short term, plus everyone rushing to buy bread and milk before a blizzard hits. You know how that goes. And then... When they're calling for uh, winter storm, apocalypse, whatever, and it doesn't happen, oh, but, you know, you've got your bread, you've got your milk, you've got your eggs, and look at the price of eggs. I about fell over the other day when I saw how much a carton of eggs cost, and and then I started kind of looking around again. Here's how we can handle it locally. 
We don't have to have local leaders getting involved. We can turn to our local farmers because our local farmers are our best bet when it comes to these shortages. Now, I understand some of you buy beef. Maybe you buy uh, half a cow, quarter cow. Maybe you go in with somebody on it. And I'm guessing that's still backed up. But look at a lot of the local farmers that uh, grow produce, whatever it is. Maybe we as individuals, rather than looking to other people for help, have got to start taking responsibility ourselves. And when we go to the grocery store and we purchase certain items, maybe you buy a couple more. And I don't mean hoard things unless, you know, that's what you want to do. But this is going to create, again, in my humble opinion anyway, a never-ending circle. And it just seems like most people don't pay attention until they go to the store and they would buy a particular item that they're used to buying all the time and it's not there. Oh, now what do I do? Folks, this is where being prepared, and I've talked about it plenty, this is where being prepared makes all the sense in the world. This is where you, the individual, have to put things into perspective, okay? Let's see. Uh, I'm married. I've got uh, three kids. I've got uh, some pets. And things are a little shaky right now. Inflation, gas prices, food shortages. And the food shortages, folks, and I'm not trying to scare anybody. We're just trying to present the facts so that you can prepare accordingly and you don't find yourself out there twisting in the wind like a lot of folks will be. And that's what it always ends up coming down to. People wait, they put it off, they don't pay attention, they're not prepared, and when it hits the fan, then what? Then you hear about people fighting over toilet paper. You hear about people fighting over paper towels, and I'm sure there's been some fights that have broken out regarding baby formula. So this is the time to really start paying attention and taking the steps necessary to prepare you and possibly your family, if you have a family, for what's going to be happening over the course of the next year, year and a half, two years. There are going to be people, unfortunately, that don't prepare and rely on the generosity, if you will, (laughs) of others. And this is, again, a perfect opportunity. This just kicks the door wide open for the government to step in and say, well, uh, we're going to start rationing food. Now, you go to the store, and uh, maybe you can only buy six cans of baby formula per visit or six cans of baby food. Uh, I don't know. Do you go to multiple stores to try and do this and see, I'm sure the government would step in and realize this. So in their infinite wisdom, they're going to start throwing money at the problem like they always do. And it's not going to solve anything because this has been something that, has been going on for quite some time. The baby formula shortage has now reached a point where people are going into the grocery store to buy this stuff, and, oh, it's not there. But, see, they were talking about this last year. This was something that was 
being looked at, and they knew last year that this was going to happen. But nobody paid attention, much like everything else. And the government says, well, you know, okay, fine. We'll, okay, we'll help out here doing what we are. We're government, and our job is to take care of the people. So maybe we'll give these people some extra money, like they wanted to do here recently in the state of Missouri, giving everybody a check for $500 or $1,000 per couple. They had this surplus of money, and so, well, it's an election year. Wow, it almost makes sense to give people money. Maybe they'll vote for us. But this is an ugly cycle that will continue. We'll start with baby formula. We'll hit them where they live right away. And then we'll step in. Health departments are telling people, hey, listen, don't make your own, whatever you do. As a matter of fact, this uh, story that I have here, I just, I just Googled, does the health department recommend making your own baby food? According to three sources, the answer is a big N-O, no. They say making your own homemade baby formula is not safe or recommended. If your time is short, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration advises against making homemade formula and says consuming it can result in adverse health effects for infants. Oh, you mean like getting these kids vaccinated for COVID? The FDA does not recommend that parents and caregivers make infant formulas at home because of serious health and safety concerns. The potential problems with homemade formulas include contamination and absence of inadequate amounts of critical nutrients. Hmm. Can anybody tell me, were you one of those babies that maybe didn't have baby formula? What did they do before baby formula was invented? How did they take care of the problem then? How were we able to continue on as a species, as a nation? They didn't have baby formula. Baby formula wasn't always around. So... I wonder if there are people out there, and I'm sure there are people that make baby formula for their babies because they don't trust what's in the can. And there's another uh, another area where you're going to see a shortage in canned foods because, uh, you know, these cans aren't as easy to come by as they used to be. A lot of different things to process, think about, but you know what's going to happen Uh, The Biden administration is going to step in and throw some crazy amount of money. They'll put together the baby formula task force. Well, if that's the case, they should have put that task force together last year. 831, we've got information from Stacey Johnson. LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source. How about Uncle Chris, Chris Schneider from Lake TV? With a check of sports, it's all here on The Daily Show on Key Radio. Stacey Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 17th. A Hawthorne Elementary student placed third in a local PBS writing contest. 
students from all over Central Missouri were invited to write and illustrate their own stories and submit them to the KMOS PBS Kids Writers Contest. Allison Toops, third grade student at Hawthorne Elementary, submitted her story and placed third. She won a writing tablet, two books, and a backpack. Congrats, Allison. An Eldon teen was seriously injured Sunday in a crash on Highway 52. 19-year-old Drew Danners was driving when he allegedly lost control of the vehicle and struck a second vehicle. A 14-year-old boy in the Danners' car sustained serious injuries and was transported to University Hospital by MU Air. More information at lakeexpo.com. Gas prices may be hitting the Lake of the Ozarks hard, but an analysis of all 50 states shows Missouri has the lowest average gas prices in the country. The analysis was published by Zatobi in late April, with Missouri's average gas price at $3.78 a gallon, followed by Kansas and Oklahoma close behind. The most expensive gas in the country is in California at $5.91 a gallon, with Nevada and Hawaii at second and third. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part through the generosity of our underwriters, like Victoria Station. Everyone at Victoria Station is excited about the new season. It's a chance to see their friends and show off some new products. Misty Atkinson talks about what they've done to enhance your shopping experience at Victoria Station. We're looking for new product, looking for new categories, new information on new categories, new colors, new design, just something unique, something we've not seen, something we've not had in our product mix. So we bought a lot of things we think will look great with what we've already been doing. We added to our nautical product mix. We added to our nautical artwork and furniture and accessories, uh, but we were looking for something unique and, and different. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Park just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 9.30 to 5.30. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. For the first time since the Blues won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, the Blues are into the second round of the playoffs. They take on Colorado. The Avalanche have been great this season. The Blues beating Minnesota 4-2 in the first round of the playoffs. It gets tougher from here on out. The postseason is here for the uh, Mizzou Lady Tigers, the MSU Lady Bears. They move into the NCAA tournament. They play each other on Friday afternoon in the first round of their regional tournament. The Mizzou Ladies 36-20, they lost in the championship game of the SEC tournament over the weekend. The MSU ladies won the Valley Conference Tournament, so they are champions there. Those two teams, the Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies, play each other Friday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The other two teams in their region are Illinois and Arizona. They'll have to uh, beat those teams in order to advance. It is the final week of the college baseball regular season. The Mizzou men, 26-22. and 22. They are at Kansas tonight. They will finish off the regular season at Georgia this weekend. The MSU men are 24-24. and 24. They will finish out the regular season with a three-game series 
at Bradley this weekend. As for the Cardinals, game two against the uh, Mets, that is a four-game series. The Cardinals have uh, been struggling of late. The Mets have been very good this year. The Royals continue their series against the White Sox today at home. That, too, is a four-game series there. As for horse racing, the Triple Crown continues this weekend, the second leg of the Triple Crown Saturday as they uh, run the Preakness Stakes. It was Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby with 80-to-1 odds. So next up, the Preakness this Saturday, and then they'll finish off with a Belmont in June. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. Don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Almost every hour you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress, and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. Business, government, history, religion, entertainment, and much more on 89.3 The Key. All right, it's 838 and 65 degrees in Osage Beach. We are broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Looking for a high today of around 80. Could see a, uh, a stray shower in there. And then a good possibility of some uh, rain tonight, maybe even some severe thunderstorms. 80 the high, 63 the low, back up to 86 tomorrow with some morning clouds. Then plenty of sun by the afternoon, a low of 63, sunny and 88 Thursday. Some uh, thunderstorms, uh, afternoon, evening thunderstorms on Friday, high 87. Right now that rain chance at about 42%. Scattered thunderstorms, 63 the expected high on Saturday. Sunday, sunny at 69, so enjoy it. I took full advantage of the beautiful weather yesterday to get out and take care of the yard. Now, this has been a dilemma for me this year, and it gets to be an even bigger dilemma (laughs) each and every year, and that is whether or not I really want to put the effort into it. You know what I mean? There are a lot of different things going on. And so, you know, as long as you keep the grass cut and the yard looks nice, I'm okay with that. But uh, earlier on when we had all the rain and uh, then my yard pooled up as it continued to do with uh, each one of the big rainstorms that we had, I thought, is it really worth putting the effort in this year? 
Uh, maybe. <laughs> but actually, um, probably not. But then yesterday rolled around, and I uh, t- took a look at the yard, and I said, yeah, you know what? It's worth it. So mowed the front, used the rider on the back, got it all taken care of, did the weed whacking. At the end of the day, while I was out grilling, I looked at it off the back deck, and I thought, yeah, it was worth it. You know, with the rider, it doesn't take that long to do the back anymore. I used to do the back with a push mower, and I'll tell you what, that was probably three years ago uh, that I picked up this uh, beautiful rider from my friend Mr. Rick Bryan over at Bryan Auction. Made me a heck of a deal on it, by the way. Um, I thought, yeah, okay. So now it only takes probably about a half hour to, to, to do the backyard. But anyway, point being, mission accomplished. 841 573 I'm sorry, 5395. 5395-658.67 is the current lake level and the river level at 566.46. But we are waiting for your phone calls. I'm like the Maytag repairman today. 573-633-5395. While you're contemplating what you'd like to talk about, let's share an op-ed from Mr. Bill Munhausen, who heads up Key Radio. Bill's going to talk to you this morning a little bit about affordable housing. We touched on it earlier. And uh, let's hear from Bill Munhausen, get his thoughts on affordable housing. This is Bill Munhausen with a key opinion. The subject for today is housing and real estate, something that got on my radar during some recent campaign debates. The universal sentiment seems to be that the cost of real estate and rent is out of control and that government ought to do something about it. Even conservative candidates recommended such things as elected officials spearheading a task force, including builders, financiers, and civic leaders to determine how to produce affordable housing. What nonsense. Government won't solve the affordable housing problem because government caused it. The immediate problem is inflation and supply shortages, both caused by foolish federal policies. Inflation is causing prices of everything to increase, while business restricts the only expense they can control, employee pay. As a result, the salaries of normal working people lag behind the increasing cost of existing houses and rents and the increasing cost of building new housing. That means working people are finding it increasingly difficult to live here, and the economy of Lake of the Ozarks depends heavily on service workers. I read a post on social media blaming the high price of homes on greedy property owners trying to cash in on the home-buying frenzy. There's some truth to that. But really, homeowners are victims also. If you own a home and want to move, you need to sell your old home for market value in order to afford the new one. It's not so much greed as it is financial survival. The high cost of rental is also caused by economics because the owner of rental property is weighing two choices. Do they make a financial killing by selling at the new prices? Or do they raise the rent in order to justify keeping the property as a rental? The home buying situation is personal for me. A few years ago, my wife and I moved into an apartment at Key Gathering Place so we could manage the day-to-day activities. 
Now that our board has decided to sell the property, we're thrust back into this crazy housing market. Thanks to a couple of unintended investments through the grace of God, we are in a good financial position. But money isn't everything. Availability becomes the next factor. It seems that everyone wants to move to Lake of the Ozarks, and they're willing to pay whatever it takes and secure a contract the same day a house is listed. Since there are no houses available, at least for any length of time so you can look at them, existing homeowners hesitate to list their homes because they may not be able to buy another one. So there are few houses on the market. What's the solution to affordable housing? It's certainly not government. In fact, I recommend that government officials consider relaxing regulations. Mobile homes have always been an affordable solution, but they are virtually banned in municipalities and private subdivisions where the people in charge fear that mobile homes will detract from appearance and property values. I sympathize with those fears, but blanket rulemaking also prohibits manufactured homes in neighborhoods where they would fit in quite nicely. We own such a home in downtown Lynn Creek, and it was one of the nicest homes in our neighborhood. Unfortunately, most towns forbid them. The truth is that Americans are ambivalent about affordable housing because most of us have used our investment in a home to get ahead financially. We need real estate values to rise so we can cash out and buy something nicer. The problem is we are about to cut out first-time homeowners by not providing entry-level homes. Home builders can't be expected to build cheap homes because their livelihood depends on the higher profit margin of more expensive homes. That means government has to stop prohibiting cheaper alternatives like mobiles and tiny homes. America's real estate market needs those first-time homeowners, and factory-built homes are a solution. 846, Bill Munhausen and his thoughts on affordable housing. And how do you feel about that approach? Less government. I, I mean, if you... If you're in a situation where you're trying to supply affordable, air quotes, housing, affordable housing, is the government in the way? What are some solutions? I remember back, was it what, 2014, 2015, 2016, Lordeck, uh, these folks put together this study that cost them what, $30,000, $40,000 on some solutions for affordable housing. Is that something that uh, we're still using in this area as a possible guide to come up with a solution? And, you know, you call on all these governmental bodies or you've got a group like the Council of Local Governments or, um, you know, the county government or the city government and all of these people they, they, they want to get involved but are they helping or are they hindering i heard some folks uh talking on a local radio station not too terribly long ago about affordable housing providing affordable housing but they were going to go to each one of these counties and ask these counties for a little bit of their arpa money this ARPA money seems to be the solution for everything, but there is only a limited amount in each county, in each city. And most of the folks have already jumped on the bandwagon 
and said, well, can we have money for this? Can we have money for that? So much so, and we talked about it right here in this studio with Dave Maupin, that Camden County kind of uh, overextended itself. Over-deliver, underperform. Well, sure, we'll give you that. Whatever you need, you know. And I don't think it's that simple, obviously. It's not you just go ask for it, and they give it to you, or they earmark it for you. But herein lies the problem. We're talking about something that is desperately needed, and certainly something that is desperately needed in this area. How do you address it? What steps do you take? Now, there have been some efforts made to provide some affordable housing in the area. And we talked with Jeff Hooker yesterday. He's the city administrator for the city of Camdenton, and he mentioned that uh, uh, 2,000 acres is uh, just sitting there, some prime land to build on. What will they build? Will they build homes? Uh, He talked about a possible hotel. LakeExpo.com had the article as well, so you can go to LakeExpo.com and check it out. But what is really needed? What What is going to get the wheels turning so that we can create, quote, unquote, affordable housing? Bill makes a lot of sense in his approach that government can't just step in and start dictating policy. There are groups, there are organizations out there with some plans. But uh, again, how involved do they want the uh, the government to be? Also, I heard a, an interesting story this morning on gas prices. Missouri is the lowest state when it comes to gas prices. But to a lot of folks, that's still not acceptable. You know, they're paying $7 a gallon, uh, paying uh, $7 a gallon in California. But that's because they have all of these rules and regulations and everything tacked to the price of gas out there. And I'm sure the cost of living in California is probably a little bit higher than here in the state of Missouri. So we're used to it, even though we have the lowest gas prices in the country. You know, some people would say... Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. At least we're not paying $7 a gallon. No, you're paying, in some instances, four oh nine and four nineteen. I paid four nineteen a gallon yesterday. I freaked out. Because right down the road, there was another gas station, another C store, if you will, and they were still selling gas at three ninety nine a gallon. So it's coming, folks. And then again... I was talking with Jeff yesterday, and I asked him, I said, well, how much of an impact do you think these higher gas prices will have on people traveling to the Lake of the Ozarks? People aren't going to be going as far because they don't want to have to pay the higher price for gasoline. So how does that affect the Lake of the Ozarks? Are we going to see the 8 to 10 million people that uh, would, uh, would visit this area when it's all said and done, all the numbers are put together? Well, how many folks did we have at the lake in 2022? We had unbelievable amounts of people last year and the year before because the lake was seen as somewhat of a hiatus, a place you could go and enjoy yourself without all of the restrictions. Thanks to all of the local people that made that happen. 
And I would say a large part of those local people are the business owners and the community itself. You know, we, we were able to stay open, not early on, but eventually we shook off what most of the rest of the country had to deal with and put ourselves on the map as a place to come and enjoy doing whatever it is you want to do. And a lot of people decided, well, not only do I like uh, visiting and vacationing at the lake, I want to live there because they seem like they've got a pretty good system in place. Hmm. And back to what we were talking about earlier, about baby formula that uh, eventually will rear its ugly head in different ways. Referring back to this uh, article from uh, Michael Reagan, Michael Reagan, who has got this op-ed out, Um, he makes some interesting points. Uh, We were able to get the vaccines produced. We, We asked the FDA to kind of just step out of the way. Can you not be extremely stringent on the regulations? Well, we didn't ask them. The federal government asked them. They said, you know... We need to get this vaccine produced. We need to get it out to the people. Boy, they jumped all over it, didn't they? And I don't think we still have a full understanding of what the vaccine is all about. It may very well be doing its job right now, but that doesn't mean that down the road we aren't going to find some problems with the vaccine, because when you put the fear of God into people and make them paranoid, they're just about willing to do anything in order to solve a problem, right? Much like the baby formula problem. This is how it's being presented. You had Operation Warp Speed to produce vaccines. How about Operation Warp Feed to produce baby formula? Well, then do you get into having to rush through the process so that there may be some issues with things like contamination. Or some of the things that health departments are saying, no, don't make your own, because we could very well end up in a situation where, oh gosh, we, now little babies are getting sick. Little babies are getting sick from this uh, canned formula that's coming out because we were in such a hurry to sidestep regulations, <laughs> and then uh, now we're running into all of these uh, these problems with bad baby formula that's being produced. My question again was, how did people exist before baby formula was around? How how did they do it back in the uh, oh I don't know, fifteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds? the early 1900s, and the FDA, the FDA, the same folks who were asked to uh, kind of loosen the regulations on a vaccine are saying they don't recommend that parents and caregivers make infant formulas at home because of serious health and safety concerns. The potential problems with homemade formulas include contamination and absence of or inadequate amounts of critical nutrients. So... Again, this is something that we put in bodies. They put this formula in a baby's body. Why? To supply it with the proper nutrients. 
Some women breastfeed, some can, some can't. Uh, I was talking with uh, a lady on Friday night who said, you know, if you're going to breastfeed, you have to really go and, and, and do the, uh, the whole process. I, I guess you have to find out from your doctor uh, before, you know, you just start breastfeeding a child. But again, breastfeeding, like everything else, was around long before baby formula. <laughs> so what do you do? How do you uh, how do you put it all together? How do, how does it make sense? I'm looking at maybe something here. You know, we talk about baby formula being uh, in short supply. They've got to one, I guess, one of the major factories that manufactures the baby formula was shut down. Uh, does the government again? And 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 people think this is crazy. You know, when you start throwing around terms like martial law. I mean, it's just one more thing to add to the list. The government starts saying, well, you know, we're going to step in in place of uh, the grocery stores and the, the, the stores that provide the things that we need to strive, survive, and stay alive. And we're going to issue rationing on the national level, the federal level. The federal government's going to start mandi- mandating rationing throughout the entire country. So what do you do? Well, again, I see farmers markets all over the place. I see that we have a lot of local farmers that can provide us with a lot of local produce. You know, your body might reject local produce because it's so used to taking in the food with all of the GMOs and the preservatives. But I think, folks, quite frankly, if we want to get through this and we don't want to lose our minds in the process, we have to take it upon ourselves to be responsible individuals. Look at your particular situation. Every situation is going to be different. That trip to the grocery store that used to cost you maybe 100 bucks is costing you uh, 200, 250, maybe even as much as 300 bucks. Why don't you start learning how to take care of yourself and find alternative means to providing food for your family? Being prepared, essentially, folks, that's what it's all about. Because one day, and I don't think it's as far off as a lot of people would imagine, the door is going to slam. And when that door slams, And the government steps in and says, now it's gotten to a point where we feel it's necessary to handle every aspect of your daily life. What are you going to do then? Because I can tell you right now, there will be people who are, uh, they will benefit from the government stepping in. They certainly will. Because they play the game that the government wants them to play. However, there will be others that will not be so lucky. And there will be others that are already prepared and have made the steps necessary to live in what is going to be crazy land, I guess is the best way to put it. Jim Coda is sounding better and better with each passing day.
there will be people who don't survive. It's up to you to decide, folks. It's up to you to decide what direction would you like to go. Where are you going to take your family? How are you going to survive through all of this? Are you going to fall prey to a government that wants to control every aspect of your life? Or are you going to look within, become a responsible and more prepared individual, and say, you know what? The government can, as Ike Skelton would say, go pound sand. It is 9 o'clock on the Midwest Coast. It's been fun. Fuzzy Simon's going to join us next hour. We're going to talk red flag laws and more. And your phone calls, as always, are welcome, folks. I don't know what you're waiting for. 573-633-5395. Let's get to information from Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com. Chris Schneider with a check of sports. He's over there on Lake TV. Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Give him a look-see. He's a fun guy. He's a crazy guy, and he does an awesome job helping us out with sports. And then we'll get to our conversation with Fozzie Simon. It's all coming up on The Daily Show here on Key Radio. This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 17th. A Hawthorne Elementary student placed third in a local PBS writing contest. Students from all over central Missouri were invited to write and illustrate their own stories and submit them to the KMOS PBS Kids Writers Contest. Allison Toops, third grade student at Hawthorne Elementary, submitted her story and placed third. She won a writing tablet, two books, and a backpack. Congrats, Allison. An Eldon teen was seriously injured Sunday in a crash on Highway 52. 19-year-old Drew Danners was driving when he allegedly lost control of the vehicle and struck a second vehicle. A 14-year-old boy in the Danners' car sustained serious injuries and was transported to University Hospital by MU Air. More information at lakeexpo.com. Gas prices may be hitting the Lake of the Ozarks hard, but an analysis of all 50 states shows Missouri has the lowest average gas prices in the country. The analysis was published by Zatobi in late April, with Missouri's average gas price at $3.78 a gallon, followed by Kansas and Oklahoma close behind. The most expensive gas in the country is in California at $5.91 a gallon, with Nevada and Hawaii at second and third. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area.
Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. For the first time since the Blues won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, the Blues are into the second round of the playoffs. They take on Colorado. The Avalanche have been great this season. The Blues beating Minnesota 4-2 in the first round of the playoffs. It gets tougher from here on out. The postseason is here for the uh, Mizzou Lady Tigers, the MSU Lady Bears. They move into the NCAA tournament. They play each other on Friday afternoon in the first round of their regional tournament. The Mizzou Ladies, 36-20. They lost in the championship game of the SEC tournament over the weekend. The MSU Ladies won the Valley Conference tournament. So they are champions there, those two teams. The Mizzou Ladies and MSU Ladies play each other Friday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The other two teams in their region are Illinois and Arizona. They'll have to uh, beat those teams in order to advance. It is the final week of the college baseball regular season. The Mizzou men, 26-22. and 22. They are at Kansas tonight. They will finish off the regular season at Georgia this weekend. The MSU men are 24-24. and 24. They will finish out the regular season with a three-game series at Bradley this weekend. As for the Cardinals, game two against the uh, Mets, that is a four-game series. The Cardinals have uh, been struggling of late. The Mets have been very good this year. The Royals continue their series against the White Sox today at home. That, too, is a four-game series there. As for horse racing, the Triple Crown continues this weekend, the second leg of the Triple Crown Saturday as they uh, run the Preakness Stakes. It was Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby with 80-to-1 odds. So next up, the Preakness this Saturday, and then they'll finish off with a Belmont in June. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right, it's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. Don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour Almost every hour you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, Live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and, of course, the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and, of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology. 
employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the key with your monthly donation. The Lake of the Ozarks Community Radio Station. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. All right, 909. It is another beautiful day to be alive and live at the Lake of the Ozarks right here in uh, Osage Beach. We're at 67 degrees as we broadcast live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Great hour last hour. I want to thank everybody for their participation, for their listenership. Looking for a high today of around 80, maybe a stray shower. And then uh, tonight we'll uh, possibly pick up some more rain and uh, possibly even a little severe weather. Uh, Looks like some scattered thunderstorms this evening becoming more widespread overnight. Potential for severe weather does exist in a low of 63. How about uh, tomorrow? Well, we'll get a little bit warmer, 86 with morning clouds and then plenty of sunshine in the afternoon. 63 the overnight low, sunny and 88 on Thursday. Some showers and thunderstorms possible uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I am sorry. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I get, uh, I'm too used to saying, I'm not sorry. 87 with the potential for some shower and thunderstorm activity on Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Scattered thunderstorms and 63 on Saturday, sunny and 69 on Sunday. So we get into the weekend. It's going to get a little chilly, but it looks like we'll pull Sunday out of the hat and uh, have a pretty darn good day again 67 degrees is where we are and at 9:10 let's bring our guest the one and only Fozzie Simon to the airwaves here we're going to talk a little bit with Fozzie this morning about red flag laws Fozzie how in the world are you sir good morning I could not possibly be better my friend it's a it's a beautiful day at the lake of the Ozarks it is a beautiful day at the lake of the Ozarks and I mean here we are sitting inside and talking about red flag laws we uh, might want to get outside at some point and see if we can't uh, enjoy a little bit of this nice weather before it warms up again. However, red flag laws are something that uh, I've discussed with a lot of different people, and most of them are advocates of the Second Amendment. And so I think it makes sense to get the legal perspective because, really, I think when you have the legal perspective, Fozzie, you're going to understand things a, a, a lot better and and maybe... Uh, 
maybe you might understand why these things were ever created in the first place because a lot of people will tell you, uh, like a lot of things that go on in this country, the Second Amendment is constantly under fire. People who own firearms for whatever reason, whether it's uh, sporting, personal protection, uh, there's more and more scrutiny. And again, we had this uh, massive shooting in uh, in Buffalo uh, and in, in the, the people that were involved in all of this. So again, here's a platform. Uh, while it's horrible to hear about anyone being in a situation like this, I mean, you're just shopping in a grocery store and somebody walks in and starts opening fire. And now they're touting this as being racially motivated. And I think that, again, there's a narrative. And the narrative has always been to utilize any type of a tragedy uh, and, and, and continue to work off of a platform, an agenda, where maybe with uh, another issue that like this one that we had, that, that, that the anti-Second Amendment folks, the anti-gunners, if you will, uh, want to say, you know, there's a lot of crazy people out there that don't need to be owning firearms for one reason or another. And uh, this might be, again, uh, a, a, an opportunity to extend on that a little bit and say, you know, we need to be really watching people that own firearms because one day something like this could happen in our own backyard. Well, unfortunately, no matter how many laws or things that you put into to place, if somebody is hell-bent on doing harm to other people and using a firearm, uh, there's no amount of laws that are going to protect someone uh, or protect me or protect you because there are crazy people out there, and unfortunately they do have access to firearms. But uh, the thing is, is we really don't, we can't watch everybody. We can't hold everybody's hand because, unfortunately, there's two things that we know happen in life. You're born... You're born, and then you die. And no matter how many things the government right. tries to do to protect us, it's it's just not going to work out that way. Well, and, and you know, you bring up the uh, the Boston shooting, um, and we'll, I, I have yeah, I have some things to say about that. Uh, but uh, part of my research for this for this chat um, was I, I read a New York Times article on they have uh, they have red flag laws in, in the state of New York. Yes, they do. Uh, and they, and uh, obviously they didn't prevent the shooting, but we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. Right. Um, so let's let's talk first of all. I mean, let's talk about what these laws are and what they do. I, I think we can all agree that people who are mentally unbalanced probably ought not to have a firearm. Okay, um, but who makes that decision, and how slippery is that slope? Um, I tell you this, I would much rather the guy who's got a felony conviction for failing to pay his child support, uh, I'd rather he was allowed to go out in the woods and hunt than the guy who who is mentally unbalanced and has been adjudicated as mentally unbalanced. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but nobody has, the Constitution doesn't give me that authority, right? Right. Um, it, It doesn't say that I get to choose who gets to have the guns and who doesn't. The, the Constitution protects the right of all Americans to keep and bear arms subject to strict scrutiny analysis. And, and again, we'll get into that. Um, but uh, so these these run under any number of different names. Uh, we hear red flag laws is the common name for them, but they're called risk-based gun removal laws, extreme risk protection orders, 
extreme risk firearm protection orders, uh, risk protection orders, some some variant on that theme. <clears throat> and so the the I think the first state to adopt one was Indiana. Um, and uh, it, that doesn't matter for anything other than it's kind of right here in the heartland. You, you would expect something like that to evolve New York, California, Oregon, Washington, on one of the coasts, right? Um, but Indiana, of all places, where you would think uh, the right to keep and bear arms would be held a bit more sacrosanct. Um, so the idea is that law enforcement or a, a member, uh, you know, a family member can go to a state court and ask for an order to temporarily remove firearms from a person who might present a danger to either themselves or others. <clears throat> I, I, again, I like the word temporary, but how temporary is temporary? Um, you know, I like the fact that uh, a court has to get involved. I don't, I, I don't like the idea where, because, because then we, we keep due process in place, right? Um, so these laws allow a court to decide, uh, whether or not, uh, a person is, is such, such a danger to either themselves or the rest of the community that, um, that they shouldn't have firearms. Um, we, we do that all the time with bail, right? If somebody commits, uh, a, is alleged to have committed a criminal offense, and it doesn't really matter what the criminal offense is, one of the things the judges can and often do uh, is tell them, hey, for now, while you're on my bail, while you're on my bond conditions, I don't want you to keep any, I, I don't want you to have any firearms. Right. Now, they're not going to do it on uh, like a simple DWI or something like that, but if you're talking about domestic assault, if you're talking about uh, some sort of gun crime, drunk with a gun, we're going to say, you know, just for a little bit, you need to maybe back down um, until we can figure out where we're going with this case. And we don't want you to have guns while you're on bail. Uh, the Supreme Court has deemed that reasonable, the U.S. Supreme Court and Missouri any number of times. So the key decision there is, a decision called Heller versus District of Columbia, um, and it's uh, uh, I'd have I I, I got to think for a second to, to tell you the year of the decision, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it's well, it was my last year in law school, so it'd be two thousand and eight. Um, but Heller said Heller creates this standard that says uh, presumably lawful regulatory means are constitutionally acceptable. Uh, so we get into then how does the Supreme Court analyze um, the infringement on a constitutional liberty? And this is, this is sort of a high-level overview, but um, there are three levels of, we call it scrutiny. You've got, um, you've got for the most fundamental rights, the right to keep and bear arms, freedom of speech, freedom from unreasonable search and seizure. You have, those are called fundamental rights. Marriage is a fundamental right. And those are subject to strict scrutiny. Um, 
the, in, uh, a law in, a, in order to pass strict scrutiny has to be narrowly tailored uh, to protect a compelling government interest or a compelling societal interest. So the Supreme Court has said that it's in it, restricting violent felons from possessing firearms, really all felons, but uh, violent felons from possessing firearms. Um, that is narrowly tailored to protect a compelling interest, a compelling state interest. Um, you get two other levels of scrutiny for uh, other sorts of laws. Uh, a rational basis for uh, rights that are fundamental, but uh, but they're not as um, they're not like these core principles that make America America, right? Um, that's called rational basis review. Basically, any reasonable, any reasonable reason is going to be good enough for rational basis review, unless it's just completely out of left field. And then there's an intermediate scrutiny. And I think if you ask 10 lawyers, you get 10 answers as to what intermediate scrutiny means. Um, it has to protect an important government interest and it has to be reasonably related to the subject matter, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> it's just the middle, the, the middle standard is the middle standard, right. right? But the second amendment is, is a fundamental right. We as Americans have a fundamental right to keep and bear firearms. And that's subject to strict, to strict scrutiny. They're not gonna, they're, they're not going to allow a law unless it's, it's very specifically, targeted, if you will, and the the interest that it protects is incredibly important. Um, so we go back to Heller, and Heller says certain, certain restrictions on firearms are reasonable. Um, you, can't, you can't have a tank. Um, <laughs> you can't have, you know, you, you can't have um, a bazooka. Uh, you, can't, you can't have there are certain weapons that just don't belong in civilian hands. Um, so it's, it's reasonable to license people, for example, who uh, purchase explosives for demolition, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. So there have been, there are, there are 19 jurisdictions that have uh, these risk-based protection orders uh, Missouri is not one of them, by the way. Although it's it's been floated a couple of times, yes, it has, and never really gotten any never really gotten any traction in the General Assembly. Uh, never never made it out of committee, as far as I know. Um, so, nineteen states have them. It's come to the state Supreme Court level in those states a few times. It's never made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, Connecticut Court of Appeals, uh, Indiana Court of Appeals. Florida Court of Appeals, they've all said uh, those, are the, those are the biggest jurisdictions that have had cases, and they've all upheld the risk-based protection orders um, as constitutional under Heller. So um, Oklahoma, interestingly, mm -hmm. is, uh, <laughs> is the only state out there uh, which has passed an anti-red flag law law. Um, they specifically say 
Um, Oklahoma specifically says that we will not allow, um, we will not, uh, in May of 2020, it says, uh, it prohibits the state or any city, county, or political subdivision from enacting red flag laws. It, it, it cites them by that name. So Oklahoma is our, our first and right now only refuge from these laws. Well, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at a story, Fozzie, uh, about uh, the Buffalo shooter. Um, and interestingly enough, one of the stories starts out, an unseen flag signifies nothing. Ships at sea don't hoist their flags below deck. The same rule applies or should to the red flag, uh, red flags codified by New York's extreme risk protection order law, whereby people, including teachers and family members, can petition a court to signal law enforcement and firearm sellers that an individual may well pose a serious danger if allowed a gun. So this is some of the talk that I've heard, because now there have been instances where, and I, I think it was in the state of Maryland, where someone was concerned about someone's well-being, uh, and the red flag laws were put into uh, place here, uh, whatever protection law they had, they showed up at this person's house to uh, confiscate their firearms, and this person ended up getting in a shootout with police and ended up getting killed. But uh, uh, another aspect of this is when we talk about uh, maybe not so much teachers but family members, say there's an ugly divorce between two people, and uh, one of the people uh, ends up on a short end of the stick. And so that person knows that the other person owns firearms. And so what do they do? They say, well, uh, you know, this person has threatened me or I don't feel safe with this person uh, out and about because they own firearms and this person could potentially shoot and kill me at some point if they want to. They could just come by my house and shoot me and kill me. So I think that the authorities should step in here, take the firearms, and and, and, and temporarily, and, and as you mentioned earlier when you were talking about that word, that is the word that we have to look at in, in the sentence, temporary. Is temporary a week? Well, sure it is. Is temporary a month? Certainly. Is temporary six months? Yeah. Is temporary a year? Could be. I mean, it's it's whatever they want to prescribe in terms of the term temporary in this particular instance and let's say this person goes through all of the uh, jumps through all the hoops and i'm sure there's probably some sort of a mental evaluation involved from a psychiatrist or psychologist or someone and that person says you would hope yeah well you would hope i guess if you if you're going to take it that far uh, the person signs off and says, this person isn't a threat to anyone. He's not going to kill anybody. She's not going to kill anybody. So we want to give them their fire. It's okay for them to have their firearms back. Well, the firearms have been confiscated, and so maybe after you get the evaluation and this person signs off and says that the person's not a threat to anyone, maybe law enforcement still has some other hoops that this person has to jump through, including Let's say paying a storage fee for uh, confiscating the weapons and then having to put them in their uh, weapons locker until this person's temporary status disappears. So what does that mean? Sure. To, what does that mean to a person who could uh, very easily have been, uh, you know, 
very easily not not even had to deal with this sort of thing. And so now this person who had these firearms or firearm is is looking at having to pay some sort of a, a fee or maybe it would be even uh, incorporated uh, to, to be a fine in order to get their firearms back. So this is like a never-ending uh, issue and process. We're getting close to the bottom of the hour, but one of the things I also think is important to look at here is maybe not what we're talking about from the legal perspective, but then how is this person viewed in society? Oh, well, uh, you know, Crazy John over there had all of his uh, firearms confiscated. We better not invite him to this uh, group or gathering. And so now it's like the scarlet letter that this person has to wear around for the rest of their lives or their life because now they're being considered some sort of a threat and they're not even doing anything. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you know, and that's, um, I'll, I'll, we'll go, we'll go further after the, after the bottom of the hour, if you want to on this, because this is a, this is a can of worms you've opened, but think, think, think about just think about this for a second. I, I defended uh, a case. Oh, two years back uh, that was an alleged, uh, sexual assault and the jury, uh, the jury found my client not guilty. So for the rest of that person's life, they will be known as the person who was found not guilty of sexual assault. Right. Absolutely. Found not guilty. You know, there's still, there's still doubt in people's minds and that's the whole problem with all of this. I mean, what kind of a, what kind of a, a law creates such a, is it a stigma? Is that the right uh, terminology? A stigma. That's exactly that's exactly the right word. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 what kind of a law creates? You know, well, uh, look at uh, you know pedophiles, child molesters. I mean, look, once they're proven to be uh, a child molester or a sexual, you know, sex offender or a pedophile, then there's certain things that they have to go through for the rest of their life in order to live anywhere. When they move, they have to contact uh, the uh, local law enforcement in that city or that county and let them know that they are a registered sex offender. And then I'm sure that gets right. up. And I mean, I mean, look at look at. Uh, are we gonna Are we gonna create a gun registry? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's. It is. Uh, it's nine thirty, so, Fozzie. If you wouldn't mind, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put you on standby for uh, just a couple of minutes here. We'll get into our uh, our information block. I appreciate all the listeners. We've got a uh, a great uh, bank of listeners here this morning. And if any of you folks feel at some point you'd like to chime in on this, after the break, 573-633-5395. Information on the key with Stacy Johnson from LakeExpo.com and Chris Schneider with Lake TV. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 17th. A Hawthorne Elementary student placed third in a local PBS writing contest. Students from all over central Missouri were invited to write and illustrate their own stories and submit them to the KMOS PBS Kids Writers Contest. Allison Toops, third grade student at Hawthorne Elementary, submitted her story and placed third. She won a writing tablet, two books, and a backpack. Congrats, Allison. 
An Eldon teen was seriously injured Sunday in a crash on Highway 52. 19-year-old Drew Danners was driving when he allegedly lost control of the vehicle and struck a second vehicle. A 14-year-old boy in the Danners' car sustained serious injuries and was transported to University Hospital by MU Air. More information at lakeexpo.com. Gas prices may be hitting the Lake of the Ozarks hard, but an analysis of all 50 states shows Missouri has the lowest average gas prices in the country. The analysis was published by Zatobi in late April, with Missouri's average gas price at $3.78 a gallon, followed by Kansas and Oklahoma close behind. The most expensive gas in the country is in California at $5.91 a gallon, with Nevada and Hawaii at second and third. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part through the generosity of our underwriters, like Victoria Station. Everyone at Victoria Station is excited about the new season. It's a chance to see their friends and show off some new products. Misty Atkinson talks about what they've done to enhance your shopping experience at Victoria Station. We're looking for new product, looking for new categories, new information on new categories, new colors, new design, just something unique, something we've not seen, something we've not had in our product list. So we bought a lot of things we think will look great with what we've already been doing. We added to our nautical product mix. We added to our nautical artwork and furniture and accessories, Um, but we were looking for something unique and, and different. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit. And the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. For the first time since the Blues won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, the Blues are into the second round of the playoffs. They take on Colorado. The Avalanche have been great this season. The Blues beating Minnesota 4-2 in the first round of the playoffs. It gets tougher from here on out. The postseason is here for the uh, Mizzou Lady Tigers, the MSU Lady Bears. They move into the NCAA tournament. They play each other on Friday afternoon in the first round of their regional tournament. The Mizzou Ladies, 36-20. They lost in the championship game of the SEC tournament over the weekend. The MSU Ladies won the Valley Conference tournament. So they are champions there, those two teams The Mizzou ladies and MSU ladies play each other Friday afternoon in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The other two teams in their region are Illinois and Arizona. They'll have to uh, beat those teams in order to advance. It is the final week of the college baseball regular season. The Mizzou men, 26-22. and 22. They are at Kansas tonight. They will finish off the regular season at Georgia this weekend. The MSU men are 24-24. and 24. They will finish out the regular season with a three-game series 
at Bradley this weekend. As for the Cardinals, game two against the uh, Mets, that is a four-game series. The Cardinals have uh, been struggling of late. The Mets have been very good this year. The Royals continue their series against the White Sox today at home. That, too, is a four-game series there. As for horse racing, the Triple Crown continues this weekend, the second leg of the Triple Crown Saturday as they uh, run the Preakness Stakes. It was Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby with 80-1 to 1 odds. So next up, the Preakness this Saturday, and then they'll finish off with a Belmont in June. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. Don't forget about Uncle Chris at the top of the hour. Almost every hour you can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress, and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. Business, government, history, religion, entertainment, and much more on 89.3 The Key. All right, folks, right back here with 67 degrees in Osage Beach, 80 the high. Could see a stray shower. Looks like a better chance for those showers and thunderstorms. Uh, The scattered variety with the potential for some severe weather. Uh, Later tonight, a low of 63 degrees here at 937. I wanted to uh, put a shout-out to my good friend. Uh, Actually, she's a good friend of our family. Uh, the one and only uh, Mary Isaac. She uh, she's been working on something that is just incredible uh, over a whole lot of years, and uh, I'm so happy to hear that this is coming to fruition. The Angels with Tails Animal Sanctuary Open House. It's going to be this Saturday, and let me tell you a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, the Angels with Tails Sanctuary is a nonprofit, no-kill, and holistic animal sanctuary being built over a span of 50 acres. And so this Saturday, they are going to open up the gates, if you will, and uh, let you come out and take a look around. They're located at 20700 Happy Trails Land Lane Runner in Rocky Mount, 20700 Happy uh, Happy Tales Lane, Rocky Mount. Let me get that right all at one time here. 20700 Happy Tales Lane in Rocky Mount. And they will have an opportunity for you to come out this Saturday, check out the sanctuary, see some of the animals, 
and you might even end up with one of those animals. And the time on the uh, open house is from noon until 5 again this Saturday. Angels with Tails Animal Sanctuary Open House at 20700 Happy Tails Lane in Rocky Mountain. Mary is such an incre- uh, incredible person. I met her years ago when she was the manager of the Dogwood Animal Shelter, back when the uh, animal shelter used to be down uh, off of uh, South Business 5 and 7 down there right across from the airport. Because one of the things I used to like to do is go down and I'd mow grass or walk dogs when my wife was working there. And I loved to watch the planes. And there was a guy that had a pit special at the airport some years ago, and he used to go out and fly this thing during the week and on weekends, and he would go out there and just put on a heck of a show. And so while you're mowing the grass, you know, you're trying to keep the lawnmower in a straight line and watch watch this guy doing barrel rolls and all kinds of other things, loop-de-loops. And speaking of which, speaking of air shows, the uh, Camdenton Memorial Lake Regional Airport is going to be the home of uh, another great air show. They've been having them uh, every other year now because, well, you know, it costs to have these folks come in, and I would imagine fuel costs are probably through the roof. So uh, the month of September, mark it on your calendar for the big air show in Camdenton. I hope to be there as one of the MCs, and I hope my good friend Miss Erin Hupp or Mrs. Erin Hupp will come back because she is an incredible talent. She has an amazing amount of energy, and I love working with her. It I, I've always told her any day that she decides to get out of whatever it is she does for a living that she is more than welcome to to join me uh, on uh, on the radio because I think she would do a fantastic job. 941 is our time. Fozzie Simon joining us this morning. We're talking red flag laws. And, Fozzie, as we went into the break, I always thought it was innocent until proven guilty. So tell us how these red flag laws work that someone could actually have uh, law enforcement show up at their door. Knock, 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 knock. We're here to, uh, and I'm sure they won't use the word confiscate. They'll probably use something that's a little friendlier, a little bit more easy to deal with we're here to take your guns or we would like you to surrender your firearms to us we're not banging on the door saying hey, we're, we're coming in yeah temporarily uh we're not coming in we're, we're coming in to confiscate your firearms and, and and how does that work because i would also think that there is if it's somebody who uh may not be willing to give them up uh it might be kind of a sticky uh, wicket for those uh, members of law enforcement that are sent there to do the job in the first place well, it, and and right now, you know, in uh, once again in Missouri, we don't have anything like that. It's never even made it out of committee. But right. um, the closest thing I can, I, you know, you, you mentioned innocent until proven guilty, and that's a criminal standard, right? Uh, so this is not an allegation of a crime. Right. It's an allegation of potential danger. So we're sort of in minority report. Um in the minority report zone here, right? right. I, I don't know if anybody remembers that movie, but uh, it's the, you know, the, the idea that we're going to, we're going to prevent crime by preventing criminals. Um, so I, the closest thing I can associate it with is, is what's called an adult abuse order of protection or a child order of protection, where uh, a person can go to the court and say, I have, um, I have been made to fear for my safety 
from Fozzie Simon. And so I want Fozzie Simon to be barred from coming to our house, coming to my workplace, coming within 150 feet of me. Um, and the judge will look at that order, look at the allegations that are made, and, and, and it does provide for judicial review. So the judge looks at it and decides, number one, whether or not to hold a hearing. Uh, and there's almost always a hearing. I, I, in fact, I cannot, um, I can't imagine a situation where a judge wouldn't say, well, yeah, let's, let's look at the evidence here because they have a right to be heard. Mm -hmm. But then the judge can also issue what's called an ex parte order protection. Ex parte is just a fancy way of saying without, without talking to the other guy, uh, without getting the other guy's side of things, I'm going to go ahead just in the interest of general safety and say, you have to, you have to abide by this order until we can get you into court. Um, and we may get you into court and find out that it's complete nonsense, or we may get you into court and find out that there's some basis to it. But until we can hear from both sides, we're going to err on the side of caution and say, uh, that's, that's how we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to hold on to your guns until such time as, as we can hear both sides. Um, that's, that's the, that's the way I would, I would see it done. Uh, a lot of these uh, risk-based protection orders are sort of based on our traditional adult abuse or child order protections. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the same system applies. Um, there, many of them have a very, very narrow window in which uh, they have to get the case heard by a judge, uh, some as narrow as 48 hours. Uh, a lot, a lot of them are somewhere between 14 and 30 days, but uh, there are a couple of states out there that have them have a, have a 48 hour window. So that's how I would envision it uh, being applied if it were applied is through that same kind of framework. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I go back to the stigma, if you will, that is presented, you know, it, it, even if someone and I think we've seen it happen so often in society where if someone is even falling into this category, whether they're uh, guilty, whether they're not guilty, whether they uh, would not harm a hair on uh, someone's head, there is still, there are still going to be people out there, Fozzie, that look at them uh, in a different light. They maybe doubt wanting to be alone with them. They doubt maybe wanting to confront them on a situation that they need to confront them on. Say, uh, you know, say somebody borrowed a hundred bucks from you and said they'd pay you back, but now you found out that, uh, well, they might, you know, they, they might not be as sound as, as you would like. And, and, and maybe there's a good possibility if you confront them on an issue, and, and, and I know this has absolutely nothing to do with the law, but I think we've seen this in a lot of cases after the fact, uh, no matter what it is. And, and certainly we've seen it in instances where someone has been found guilty by a jury of their peers. They've been put in jail. Uh, then come, you know, 5, 10, 15, 16, 20, 40 years later, guess what? They didn't do it, and they're released, but right. there is still uh, that inkling of doubt in someone's mind as to whether or not this person is really the person I thought they were. You know what I mean? 
Well, and, you know, you're absolutely right, but there's, that's, that's a problem. I just, I just, I think it's beyond humans to solve. Um, you know, the, the only way to solve that problem is to, is to not create the problem in the first place. And so you have to, you have to pick your poison. Um, you have to say, you have to say, is the consequence to this individual, um, worth, uh, whatever protection such a law might afford society in general. Mm -hmm. And I, that, that's an answer for the voters and, or I mean, it ought to be, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's something that ought to be decided by either the voters or at the, at the very minimum, the voters chosen representatives, the general assembly, the whatever state legislature is involved. Um, so, and then, and then it's up to the court to decide whether such a thing would be, would be constitutional under Heller and the rest of the second amendment analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's interesting because it, that, that kind of takes us to, you know, some of the, some of the groups that have come out in favor of and against, uh, these, uh, extreme risk protection orders, uh, I was fascinated when I read some of this stuff. Uh, one of the most active groups against red flag laws, uh, is the ACLU, um, who you would traditionally think would fall, you, you think of as a liberal organization, you think of it as falling on the other side of conservative ideals, like, mm-hmm. like firearms protection. Sure. But, um, the, you know, the ACLU's position is uh, people who have never been uh, alleged to have committed a crime should not be subject to such an extreme deprivation of their personal liberty. That and, of course, uh, con- know, confiscation of, of, of their personal property. I mean, that just makes sense. And, and, and that's kind of an interesting situation. I wonder if the ACLU had ever contemplated something like this prior because of the fact that, you know, a lot of these things we're talking about are things that they would, uh, you know, step up and, and, and want to defend somebody against because, you know, it's your, yeah, your personal liberty and uh, your freedom and uh, you know if, if if this isn't true and you're trying to just stir the pot because you've got a uh, an issue with this person and things don't work out uh to your favor where something is put in place and this person's firearms are confiscated i mean does that then set the other person up the person who started all this uh is there some sort of a civil lawsuit that uh the the, the person in question could bring against the person who started all this based on the fact that, you know what, you've compromised my integrity. You look at, you look well, at me yeah. and, and, and you, you thought that I was something that I wasn't and it's been proven in a court of law that it wasn't. So, you know, that's like slander. You basically had said, said things about me that aren't true. It was proven that it wasn't true. And so, you know what, you've really uh, put my life in a, in, in a position where uh, I, I don't feel comfortable around certain people. Certain people won't approach me me because they seem to think that there's uh, maybe a little doubt as to how I, uh, what type of a person I really am. So then you, do, does the person who's been accused of all of this turn around and file some sort of a civil suit against the person who started it all? Well, if I'm a, if I, let's take it a step further. If I'm a, if I'm a businessman in a small town 
uh, which it turns out I am. Um, <laughs> do do I lose business? At, let, let's say I'm a boat dealer, um, and uh, you know around the Lake of the Ozarks, and somebody makes these allegations about me, and they're as you say after after court review proven not to be true, but because of that now fewer people want to do business with me because they don't want to be seen as patronizing uh, a gun lunatic, you know, somebody, somebody who's likely to go off and and shoot people if the deal doesn't go his way. Well, have I been damaged? Uh, Certainly I've been defamed. Has that defamation cost me money? You would think so. So how, how far, do these, you know, how far do these tendrils extend? I mean, what, collateral consequences are something that uh, criminal defense attorneys look at all the time. What are the collateral consequences to a crime? And there were, we're not just talking about, uh, jail time is a direct consequence. Paying a fine is a direct consequence. Being placed on probation is a direct consequence. But there are other collateral consequences. Uh, in a DWI case, you lose your driving license through a civil administrative process. That's not a. That's not because of the crime. It's because, uh, and it's not subject to criminal standards. It's it's a much lower standard to prove. Um, if you are a, a lawfully documented resident alien, uh, what does that do to your lawful presence in the country? Um, there, there are all kinds of unanticipated and quite frankly, unimagined collateral consequences that, uh, even for American citizens, if you are alleged to have violated one of these laws, uh, you know, Canada is not going to let you in. If you have a drunk driving conviction, yeah. how are they going to feel about you? If you, if you have a, uh, I, I, what about the, you know, I have, I have any number of clients who go to Canada to hunt and fish every year. Uh, and they'll, they'll catch a misdemeanor uh, traffic offense and suddenly Canada's going to say, oh gosh, that that $5,000 hunting trip that you already paid for that you, yeah, we can't let you in. Sorry. So that's, that, I mean, that's really, that's the, the big question is how far are we willing, to, how far are we willing to go for a measure of safety? Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, and, and there's a question as to whether they even work. Like we talked about at the, the beginning of this discussion, uh, you know, the New York Times talks about uh, it, it. They published an article yesterday, and they said this uh, um, this Mr. J- Peyton Gendron, the guy in the Buffalo shooting. Um, According to the story, last spring in a high school project that asked students about their future plans, Mr. Gendron responded that his future plans were to commit murder-suicide. Um, so uh, New York having a red flag law, the principal reported him. Uh, he was taken to uh, mental health evaluation. Now, the police haven't disclosed the mental health evaluation, but they did not seek a red flag order against Mr. Gendron. Mm-hmm. They didn't say why, but uh, again, uh, some sources have come forward that say he mentioned over his weekend in uh, uh, he that in 
in psych that he had not named a specific target. So, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a specific threat to, uh, to anyone. And you know, the other thing to consider is all of these laws have cropped up within the last 10 years or so. So we haven't really had time to figure out if they work or not. No, I guess not. No, that's in, in that in itself, you know, and that's why I think that people have to be extremely careful about the types of things that they float in front of legislators and, and, and that legislators have a good working knowledge of all aspects of, of, of this because, you know, you know, look at the legislative session here in the state of Missouri. It starts in January. It ends in mid-May. And do these men and women that do the job uh, that they were elected to do, do they have a reasonable amount of time to digest all the information that's necessary in order to make an educated decision so that when they're voting, they're voting based on what? <clears throat> they're voting based on what the people want them to do. They're voting based on what they realize and understand about the topic because they've done their research. Are they voting with their conscience? Are they voting to get reelected? I mean, there's so many different things that you have to keep in mind here. And, and certainly, uh, depending on what kind of a state you live in, you know, if it's a red state, if it's a blue state, I think sometimes you automatically anticipate that someone's going to vote a certain way. But that isn't always the truth. And, and, and we've seen that plenty of times. I mean, look at all of the unrest uh, that uh, had developed in this last legislative session among Republicans. I mean, they were literally at each other's throats sure. over certain things. So uh, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the kind of vote that you want or the uh, the way things are going to turn out that there's any real guarantee because people that you would typically uh, think would vote one way are, are actually siding with uh, people on the uh, other side <laughs> and voting along with them. And, exactly. you're, just, well, and you're shocked. And these, well, these extreme risk protection orders are a prime example of it yeah. because, like I said, on on the on the opposition side, you've got uh, you've got the ACLU, who you would think would be uh, who, who you would just typically find on the on the more liberal side of, of the gun argument, yeah. and on the on the favorable side, uh, in 2018, the National Rifle Association changed its position and said. These laws, if carefully tailored, are uh, are a good means of weeding out the bad seed. President Trump, in 2019, called upon states to implement red flag laws. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and that was in response to a couple of mass shootings uh, in a, in a period in a very short period of time. Um, but so it's the support and opposition comes from it from corners you would never expect it from on these laws. Yeah. Some of these things make for strange bedfellows, Fozzie. They certainly do. Hey, listen, man, I want to thank you uh, for taking some time to join us and talk about this. I would love to have you back. And I uh, I kind of threw the subject matter out there for this show. If you would like to sit down and contemplate uh, uh, taking on another topic, I, I would sure appreciate the opportunity to get you back on here and talk some more about it because uh, very interesting and a lot of things – uh, that we have to consider for uh, for any topic we want to talk about, obviously. But uh, uh, just uh, get a hold of me, give me a topic, I'll do some research, we'll get together, and we'll do this all over again. I'll do it. Another thing, you know, this is the people's radio. Maybe the people have something they want to they want us to talk about, so we can we can go that route too. 
that certainly sounds like a winner. Fozzie Simon, I appreciate your time, sir. Great to talk with you, and I look forward to doing it again soon. A pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much. I'll tell you what, this is kind of the the, the situation that we, uh, we, we get ourselves in, we find ourselves in here. And this, again, I, I just have to say, in my humble opinion, I feel like this is a great topic, especially uh, on the local level. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's just a, a great opportunity to, uh, to talk about this kind of thing locally. And the, uh, the more control we have as people over the local government, I think the better off we'll be, right? 